Hey, everybody. We're here, alive and thrive in Toronto, home of Blue Jays, Raptors, Maple Leafs, and Canadian psychic Robert Lindsay Milne. That's me. Welcome to my side of the crystal ball. I have an unusual show tonight. Well, an unusual, different, unique concepts that I kind of know about, but not like what Jill Cole is going to be talking about. Mostly I did tonight was sit and listen to this incredible story of how Jill has come to her enlightenment, her spiritual work, how she's learned to channel and be psychic. It's just amazing. So amazing that we're going to have Jill on the main event and the experts chair. She is an internationally known hypnotherapist, author, medium, public speaker, and very powerful energy healer, and a whole lot more. WWRS this week is going to be talking about how often are you winning these uh, arguments you have on um, uh, texting or sending emails or even writing letters? How, how many uh, of those uh, fights that you're in, how many are you winning? And that's what WWRS is all about tonight. Before we start our show, though, I'd like to um, make a request. You know that old request again, please do something. So if you will, please like, if you're watching us on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you write a comment, it creates more energy. We get more attention and higher ratings. And if you subscribe, and incidentally, subscriptions are free or complimentary. So, uh, and if you have a subscription, you'll never miss another one of my side of the crystal ball. If you um, subscribe, once again, it creates more energy uh, that gets more gets us more attention and higher ratings. And that way we can keep on putting on this, this, this podcast. You can find my side of the crystal ball, of course, on um, YouTube, also Apple, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else podcasts are, are shown. And if you'd like to find me personally, you can find me at www.robertlindsaymilne.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And now, without further ado, here comes WWRS. Have you ever been in one of these arguments or debates um, with someone on email or texting or on messenger, anything that you're writing? Uh, and, and, and by the way, when you get into a conflict or an argument with somebody, usually when you're finished texting, do you go away feeling better or do you go away feeling worse? Usually when we get into those conflicts, the other person is wrong and we're right and we're mad or upset or stressed both of us are feeling like that or, or, or similar things when we have these conflicts. Why do we have these kind of conflicts when we're typing or when we're, when we're um, uh, texting or, or, or things like that? Well, first thing is we see the world not as how it is, but how we are. 
from our point of view. So if we're in a good mood, we'll interpret something one way. And we'll, if we're in a bad mood, the next day we'll interpret the exact same thing in a negative way, a harsh way. It just depends on how we're perceiving things and where we're at. Because we see the world not as how it is, but how we are. The way we human beings all communicate, we communicate in, on, on three different levels or three different ways. One level is we uh, express ourselves um, with our body language, unconscious, nonverbal communication, the way we sit, the way we look, um, that type of stuff. Nonverbal, unconscious communication. A second way of communicating is our tone of voice, the way we say things, how we say it. Um, and the third way we um, express ourselves are the words that we use. So now just hang on to our chair for a minute. Let's just think about this. 75% of the way we express ourselves, the way I speak to you and share myself with you is my body language the way I look, um, where I look, how I sit, everything, 75% of how I'm expressing myself or you're expressing yourself is our unconscious nonverbal communication. Second level or second way of communicating is the tone of voice, how we say what we say. And that consists of about 20% of our communication. 20% of how we are get interpreted is by the tone which we use. And the third way we communicate or the third level is very simply the words we use. And the words we use is about 5% of our communication. So when we're reading a text, an email, um, a message, what, whatever it is, when we're reading something, we're eliminating 95% of our awareness of how the other person is expressing um, themselves to us. And we're only relying on 5% of our communication. <laughs> what can go wrong with that? Because no matter what, we're going to ex 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 um, interpret something in the very mood that we're in. I know that there have been times somebody sent me a text. I looked at it and got furious. And then I said, okay, Robert, chill out, chill, chill out, wait an hour or two or even a day. And then I reread or reread what they said. And I hear a whole different point of view, a whole different energy about it. The words haven't changed. I see things differently. So we see the world, not how it is, but how we are. And when we communicate, we rely on our body language, our tone of voice and the words. And when we're only hearing the words, it's subject to 95% misinterpretation. So remember when you're in a scrap, don't argue, just stop, catch your breath, talk to the person, have a video chat um, or do something like that. But don't get into that uh, battle because both of you are just going to lose. And that is what Robert's got to say. I first met Jill Cole uh, last fall 
uh, she contacted me because of a podcast that I was on and um, she, she wanted to have a psychic reading. Every now and again, you know, you just meet somebody you connect with or they've just got that special smile or that special sense of energy. Well, Jill is one of these people. I didn't know very much about her. I, and I don't usually know very much about my clients other than the snapshot I have of them in the moment I do their reading. Jill is from, uh, well, currently she's, she's on the South Island of New Zealand. She's from uh, um, South Africa to begin with. So I would like to introduce you tonight to my friend, contemporary Jill Cole, all the way from New Zealand. It's really great to see you today, Jill. What's it like where you are? At the moment, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, oh, yes. Um, it's summer. Yes. And I live in a place like Lake Tahoe. It's called Lake Wanaka. Yes. And we have a national park here called Mount Aspiring National Park where everybody goes mountain climbing and skiing. It's beautiful. And that is in New Zealand in the South, the South Island. Is that right? Is the South Island of New Zealand. So I always thought that it was a tropical paradise where you are. No, that's the North Island. Oh, okay. How did, why did you decide to go to the North, to the South Island where there's snow and, and rather than the tropical paradise? I'm just it's curious. That's a very good question. So um, my husband and I have got two sons. Mm -hmm. Both of them were in the North Island ski team. And we had a house in Auckland and we used to travel to the ski field four hours every okay. single weekend there and back. So one of the weekends, the boys were going to start school on the Monday. So I said to my husband, I'm going to go home early, um, just go and get everything ready for the new school term. You come back with Max and George had already gone with a friend. I had just got back when I got a call from him saying that um, they'd had a terrible head-on collision. The woman in front of them had fallen asleep going around a corner and had smacked into somebody and the other person had smacked straight into them. But you know, Robert, the most peculiar thing is that we owned a little um, ski chalet um, cottage sort of thing in the mountains there. And at the time, we were very fortunate to have shares in a, well, uh, my husband's parents died and left us a beach cottage with his sisters as well that he shared. So traveling between all of them, I always made sure that I had a white toweling gown. So wherever we were, just put it on and go and have breakfast. Max ran back to the house and said to my husband, Dad, we need to take mom's white toweling gown. And he said, what are you talking about? Don't be ridiculous. Um, just get in the car. And he said, no, no, we need to. So he instinctively knew something was up. When they um, hit the scar, the, well, the car hit them. They took out a deer fence on the left-hand side and 
Max had eight vertebrae that were put out and, and lung damage, but the man behind them was an A&E specialist. And he said, has anybody got any um, bandages? Max said, yes, we've got mum's white toweling gown. So my husband took out a Stanley knife and just started getting my gown into strips. So they bandaged the man's head up. The helicopter arrived. He said it just looked like chopped liver. I mean, it was just terribly sad. And afterwards, Max said, you see, here we I'm sorry, you, you just froze for a moment. Can you say that again? He said, you see, I told you we needed mum's gown, dad. Yeah. I just knew we needed it. Yeah. When they got home, I said, we are moving to the South Island. And my husband said, but you're from Africa. You can't stand the cold. I said, yes, but you guys are passionate about the snow and you ski every single weekend. I said, this is a very busy highway, so let's go where it's going to be on our doorstep. And that's actually what prompted us to move. That's not where I thought the story was going to go. <laughs> you surprised me. That was interesting. Wow. Okay. So has your son demonstrated those types of that type of awareness? Um, before or after this time, or was this a one-shot? Okay. When he was three, my husband yes. used to listen to a band called the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yes, I heard of them. That was not quite my style, though, yeah. And he was playing in the garden, and he ran up to me, and he said, Mum, Mum, one of the Smashing Pumpkins has just died. Oh. And I said, what? What are you talking about? How do you know? He said, I saw it with my magic eye. So that night over television, it said breaking news. One of the Smashing Pumpkin band members had just passed away. And he said, see, I told you, Mum. Wow. I told you. Wow. That's very impressive. Um, where does he get that from? <laughs> I don't know. No, that, that didn't get passed down or no one well, in the I family? I didn't know what? that at the time that I was okay. that way inclined. So, well, I was, well, okay, so where do you think he got that from? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, and then he also said that um, he stopped me walking up the stairs once when he was about really? five. And he said, don't come up the steps. To the upstairs bedrooms i said why not he said because mum there's somebody that plays with george and i in our bedroom and she can change from a man to a woman and as soon as you come up the steps she disappears wow hmm. did you ever have any of those kinds of experiences not when i was a child that i can remember i mean my mother as told, an adult? Oh, lots when I was an, being an adult. But my mum did say that when I was small, I used to always speak about God's glory, hmm. that I could see this light around people, around buildings and plants, 
And I just thought everybody could mm-hmm. see that. The first time that I learned that it was called an aura was actually because of Max again. So um, I went to Africa with George when he was a year old, 10 months to a year old, and was on my sister's farm. And uh, the maid quickly called me. My sister had gone to play tennis with her husband at the country club. And um, the maid said, quickly, quickly, come. Um, One of the farm workers' daughters is outside with a um, huge axe wound in her head. So the reason I didn't go and play tennis was because George was a baby and he was sleeping. So I went in, took one look at her, head wounds bleed profusely. And I put her down and I said, let's make her some tea with lots of sugar just for the shock. And I thought this wound is going to be too deep to look after. She needs stitches. Mm-hmm. So I got stuck in, I cut the hair away, I, you know, trying to make her as comfortable as possible. And I phoned my brother-in-law at the tennis club and I said, look, this is the problem that's happened. Do you have a farm doctor? He said, yes, I'll get him on immediately on his way. And he said, please um, just make sure you didn't get any blood on yourself. He said, because she is riddled with AIDS. So um, George was actually on a formula at the time and I'd ripped open the um, the whole container and it was jagged and it sliced through my thumb. So I had this open wound. But when somebody's in need, you don't even mm-hmm. think about it, do you? You sure. just get just stuck it. in. So it didn't enter my head. When I got back to New Zealand, um, then Max was conceived. And only when I found out I was pregnant, I suddenly thought, oh, my gosh, I might have AIDS. I better check that out. So um, when he was born, I didn't have AIDS, but when he was born, he just just didn't seem to thrive. And I thought – Mm, I wonder if something was just not right. So I'd never done any courses or anything. And there was a lady, a naturopath, doing a six-week course from seven till nine in the evening on um, nutrition, iridiology, um, all this different stuff that I knew nothing about. So I arrived at the course and I listened to everything and I went because I wanted to know nutrition for Max. Maybe I was missing something. And um, the iridologist was giving a talk and suddenly I saw this blue light all around her head and shoulders. And the lady that I was sitting next to never, never told me anything about herself. I didn't know she was one of New Zealand's top mediums and psychics, clairvoyants. And um, I just very gently said to her, and I'd never spoken about it before, but obviously it was meant to be. And I said to her, Glenda, look at the blue light around her. And she said, oh, Jill, do you see auras? I said, what? (laughs) What's an aura? And then she said to the lady running it, Pam, Pam, 
Jill can see a blue light. And I'm going, oh no, how embarrassing. And that was the very last night of that course. And then afterwards, they said, let's go to the pub and, you know, have a drink and a chat. When was that? That was, well, Max is 30. So, so that was about ago. 29 and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. And I was so, uh, uh, what can I say, very straight. Oh, no, I don't drink. And they looked at me and said, well, you could have an orange juice, can't you? Oh, yes, I can. And then they said, what else happens to you, Jill? What, what, else, what else have you experienced? So I said, well, I, um, if I go to the supermarket, I find it difficult walking down the aisle with all the cleaning equipment, all the washing powders. My eyes just start streaming. I said, whenever I do the laundry in our house, I feel somebody standing behind me. So I always turn because I think, oh, well, my husband's come home early, but there's nobody there. I said, when I bath the children um, to, to turn the taps off, I can feel the water this far away. It's like, hmm. I don't know, I can actually feel it under my hands. And I said, one night, in the middle of winter, I decided to go downstairs and make a cup of tea. And my husband was watching rugby. And when I went into the lounge, the whole lounge was covered in gray smoke. And I said to him, where does all the smoke come from? And he looked at me as if, what are you talking about? I said, oh, I'm just joking, because I realized he couldn't see any smoke. So I made him a cup of tea, gave it to him, and thought, well, what was that about? Then I felt that I needed to pick up a pen, and I started writing. And I didn't even know what I was writing. And at the end, I put the pen down, and then I read through it. And I thought, where on earth did that come from? How did that happen? And as I put the pen down, Greg walked in, and he said, what are you doing? So I said, oh, I'm just writing something. He said, what are you writing? And I told him what had happened. And he said to me, you should ask them to give you some music towards that. You could, you could become a songwriter. But he was being facetious. So that was the start. Then um, Glenda, that lady, said to me, have you ever um, been... The start was, you're saying, was automatic writing. Well, with seeing everything, right. things, okay. things that I couldn't quite understand what they were. And, okay. and that was the start of the automatic writing. And so Glenda then said to me, um, look, obviously a lot's happening with you. And she said, why don't you come to my house on Saturday afternoon and um, we'll do some meditation. So I said, well, what's that? <laughs> I had no idea. So she said, come on. So she talked me down and then I did the meditation and she said, how long do you think you were meditating for? I said, oh, what, five minutes? She said, 40 minutes. She said, wow. tell me what you saw. So I told her everything and she said, oh my gosh, Jill, you're an absolute natural. Then she took me to this group of mediums 
um, in New Zealand at one evening and she said, I just want to test you. And I was so nervous because these people had been doing this for years and I was a housewife. And she said to me, we're doing something tonight called psychometry. And it was a, they, they put the lights on low and everybody had to take a piece of jewelry or something, an object and put it on this table. So nobody was really seeing what, who was putting what down. And then we all had to pick an item off the table. So I picked a ring off the table and we were told just to feel if there were any messages, knowledge coming through from the ring. So I said, look, I'm brand new. And of course you don't want to make a fool of yourself. So I just said, well, I don't know if this is a load of nonsense, but this ring was given with so much love. I said, and recently this relationship has been severed. And I'm being told that the communication needs to start again because there's a little bit of ego on both sides, but there is great love here. And the girl started crying and she said, my mum gave that to me. And she said, we recently had a fight and both of us have been too proud to reconnect. She said, you're spot on. So I got such a shock. I thought. How did you, how did you feel that? Were you holding it in your hand? Did it come from your hand? Did it come from your mind? Did you hear it? Where did it come from? I, I don't know. It was like a knowing. It was yes. just like, it just happened. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It just, it just happened. And then we moved to Wanaka. So Glenda came to see me with all the boxes in the kitchen and um, she said to me, I've just um, come from my husband from, he passed away, she said, from the cemetery and he gave me a message. She said, I want you to tell me what he said. I said, don't be ridiculous. I can't do that. She said, yes, you can. She said, um, this is the work that you're going to be doing. I said, ridiculous, I'm a housewife. And um, she was sitting at my boss at the bar stool. I was behind the kitchen counter, and suddenly I started seeing a vision, like a movie playing. And I said to her, "Wow, you're on a train and you're going on a trip, and I don't know where it is if it's overseas, but there are mountains behind you, and they're covered in snow." And I said, "You're actually going to write." two books you're busy with one at the moment and you think that you are nearly finished but you're only halfway and I said the first book is for yourself but the second book will be for the public and I said I see you're standing on stage you've got helpers in the sides and they little stages like a scout hall or retired servicemen's association little halls like that and you're doing questions and answering sessions and then I said to her Oh, that's weird. She said, what? I said, there's a very strange creature here. I said, he's got a head like a crocodile and a body like a man with all the abs, really ripped. 
and I said, he sounds like, and she said to me, oh, Julie's on a different vibration to you. Ask your guide, because then she'd introduced me to my guide. She actually told me how to connect with the guide. So that's something I can teach now. I can teach people how to do that. So she said, just ask your guide to interpret for you. So I said to my guide, oh, Aurelius, I can't understand this being. Could you please translate? And immediately I heard it in English. So I said, oh, he's telling me I've got to be very careful who I tell the story to because they will, he used the word scoff. They will scoff. They will, they will laugh at that. They, they will think this is unbelievable. There's no such thing as this kind of a being. And she looked at me and she said to me, that's my guide, Jill. She said, well done. She said, now, when you move to Wanaka, she said, just be open to receiving this sort of information. So when I arrived in Wanaka, I um, became a real estate agent and I got a job in an area 11 kilometers out of Wanaka. And that was the first house that I'd ever sold over there. And I'd never, ever got another house in that area since then, right? But it was, oh, so to back the story up, just before we came to Wanaka, I had a very bad skiing accident and I had a near-death experience. And then when I had my near-death experience, three pairs of huge arms came out of the air at two o'clock in the morning and just held me and sang Rockabye Baby. And then I was told, it's not your time. You have work to do. And they got me to breathe again because my lung had collapsed. And then the light slowly started to recede. So I had a lot of... Um, help there. I had a lot of uh, physiotherapy to get me healed again. And then we arrived here. So this was now um, going to this particular area. And I wanted to put leaflets to sell a particular house in the little letter boxes there, but it was associated with a cafe. So I wanted the owner's permission to say, who do I speak to, to put these in? And she was very rude to me. And I thought, wow, that's unusual. Everybody here is so happy and fabulous and helpful. And I thought, oh, wow, she must be hurting. That night, as I was falling asleep, she was standing at the bottom of my bed with her father. And he was all dressed in British tweeds and he was reining in a horse. And I was told that he used to rein her in like an animal. And then I saw a wedding cake and icing and her icing the cake. And they said, she's a very creative being, but um, no, she's not going to be icing wedding cakes. But she bought that business to appease her father. She wanted her father to see her. She wanted her father to love her. She wanted acknowledgement from her father. But 
they said he will never give it to her because that's who he is, not who she is. And that doesn't matter what she does, she's never going to get that. And that if she doesn't change her life, she will die from a heart attack, literally from a broken heart by the end of the year. And they said, this is your work. And then they just, the images faded away. The next day, my car literally drove itself there and parked outside her cafe. And in my head, it said, you've got work to do. This is your job. And there's a very, very first time it had happened since I had seen that, that um, crocodile being with Glenda, seeing it like a movie, seeing her. This was like a movie again. And I found myself standing in front of her. And she said, yes, what? <laughs> so I started telling her and she said, oh, no, I said, I've got a message from you. She said, from who? I said, from my head. Because I mean, I don't know. And she said, well, what's the message? And I told her and she said, where did you get this information from? I said, I don't know. I'm brand new at this. I see it like a movie. And she said, well, you're 100% correct. How did you know my father was British? I said, because he was in British tweeds. And then she just started pouring all the stuff out. And I didn't know her name. She didn't know my name. And I left. And a few months later, I saw her in the supermarket getting groceries. And she said, oh, it's you. And she looked completely different. And she had a big smile. And she said, I've sold the business. I bought a house mortgage-free in Auckland. And I've enrolled in an art class. And that's when I started shaking because it was like, wow, you know, this is serious stuff. It certainly is. Um, and where's it coming from? Where, where do you hear it from? Well, it's like a voice in your head. And I see the images and they give me... Um, so what what so it's the like a secret language it's like symbols and where are the images are they here that you see are they here are i think they here they're here. i think here I, that's no, what it not. feels like it feels yeah. like they're coming from the inside out but when i watch the movie yeah it's like it's right in front of my eyes okay. like, like if i do a reading for somebody yeah. then um they'll show me a t-section a T-junction, then I know they're at a crossroads in their life. They're going to make a decision. Where do you right. see that? That's fascinating. Where would you see that T-junction? That's why I asked you, don't you see it like that? No. Yeah. I just say it. <laughs> you see, so I'd rather be like you. I think that's wonderful. Well, I'm thinking, wow, you guys have a whole network where you're doing things on another level, communicating. I've never experienced that. Well, actually, I have only for a job, right, with that guy that had the, uh, was in a, a coma. Um, yeah. but, but that's really pretty much what, what I do. 
but not like what you guys do. I, I don't get those those things that you see or those beings. I, I don't see any of that. I just know it and talk about it. Yeah, but that's brilliant to me. That's fabulous. But you do the same thing. Yeah, but I don't do it like you. So I actually said yeah, to I my guides. I don't guide, do it like you. <laughs> I said to them. Well, how did you meet your guides? Glenda taught me. She said to me, I'm not giving you answers anymore. Every single human has all the answers inside. You're okay. all connected. All right. Every single person's connected to source, right? So how did you find out you had a guide or she said, guides? She said, everybody's got one okay. guide or multiple guides. Right. So she okay. said, I'm going to teach you how to do it. Right. She said, because I wouldn't be a proper teacher. Right. If I didn't tell you that you can be your own self. Okay. She said there are teachers that are full of ego that, oh, come to me, come to me. I'm the one that knows the way, et cetera. So, which so, is a load so of how did you, how did you, what was it like when you first met your, your guide? Oh, it was very short. <laughs> so she said, you've got to have absolute silence, privacy, and quiet. So I said to Greg and the boys, I'm not coming with you to the ski house this weekend. You guys are going by yourselves. I'm spending the weekend by myself in Auckland, which was a big, brave move. And they were quite shocked, meaning they'd have to cook for themselves and clean for themselves. And I waited until it was nine o'clock at night because I thought nobody's going to phone me now. And I sat in front of the computer and I said, on, on word, who's there? And there was nothing, and it was pitch black. And I got the giggles because it reminded me of the Uji board or whatever, you know, when you're 16 right. years old. And I thought, okay, just, just stop being silly and just sit quietly and respectful. And then I said, what is your name? And out came the word, Aurelius. And I thought, Where did you, in your mind? Or yes, on, I typed it. Oh, oh, oh Aurelius. Oh, as I heard it, Aurelius. Okay. All right. So she said to me, either do it in your computer or do it in a book. She said, don't second guess anything. If you hear something. This just, is your teacher, not your guide. Okay. She said, just write it down. I said, but how do I know it's not my imagination? She said, because you will get given certain words that you've never heard of before that you can then look up. And that'll be your affirmation, you're affirming that, yes, that was right. So I said, um, what do I need to look out for? They said, heavy-handed on the right, sloping shoulder on the left. So I got up and looked in the mirror. I thought, oh, that's weird. So <laughs> then I said, is there any food stuff I need to stay away from? They said, sugar beets, sorghum, lactose, and corn. And... I did, I'd never heard the word sorghum in my life. I didn't know what sorghum was. So I thought, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a good, you know, thing. And that was, the, that was the start of the first communication, which was very short, very tiny. Now they give me pages. Do you but, write it out or yes, what do you do? Yes. Okay. And who do you do it for? Well, I did it for myself, but I know, if, but if somebody now, wanted a reading, okay, I would yes, say, that part. so say if Robert wants a reading, then Robert I would say, wants a reading, right. 
then I would say to them, I would say to him, because I only had one then, he told me that I had a team of 12 and that each one did different stuff with me from like a healing modality. Right. And he said, these are not my words. These are our words. I'm the spokesperson. I understand that. Okay. That's that what he sense. said to me. Sure. Okay. He said, if you had to hear all of us talking, you'd go, it would be like spaghetti. Of course. So, um, then like a collective group and, and, and one has a voice for the whole group. That's yes. In, yes. In, in, in um, yeah. And that are connected. Yeah. So, so then what happened? Oh, so, so say if Robert concert wants to with each other, they're in concert. Yes. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. And I would say, um, hi Aurelius. I always dear, dear Aurelius. Um, what can you tell Robert for this period of his life? Because I used to say to people, don't ask me if you're going to marry a tall, tall man with blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm not interested in that. Spirit knows what you need to know at this time. And in five weeks time, it might change again. But right now, this is what you need to know. They know what it is you need to know. And then I would just say, what is it that Robert needs to know at this time of his life? And then I'd just start hearing it. And I'd just type and type and type. And then I would um, do an email and send it to the person or do it in a, um, a letter and send it. So the, the one that was... So this information that you have, that, yes. that, that's coming through you. Yes. Um, is it your wisdom or no, is it I, someone else's? Because I, I, you're a rather wise person. Yeah, I, I'd, it, well, they told me that the difference between a God and your higher self. Is what? And when it's your higher self, yes, it's instinctive. It's yep, done, great. Right. If it's a God, it's like, what? Is that my imagination? So that's why they explained the difference to me. So there's a difference when you're using your intuition because it's sharp. And when your guide is speaking to you or giving you information, you question it. Is that is that? This is what they've said. You, you might question it. Okay. Do you? I question everything all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I've just never had a conversation like this with anyone before. So I'm asking these questions like, oh, really? Is that how, really? You do it that way? Wow, that's fascinating. That's, the, that's where I'm coming from. So let me give you an idea. Not Please. an idea. Let, let me ex tell you how crazy my life is, right? So. Like um, presently or? Always. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's just levels of craziness. <laughs> I think sometimes if people, uh, okay, so I remember once, I, I'm not a real estate agent anymore, but when I was, I remember the first time I left my body, it was in the middle of signing a contract and I'm in this very, very swanky boardroom. And the next minute I'm on the ceiling watching 
myself writing the contract with the couple that are um, buying the property and the lawyer next to us. And I'm still writing away and chatting to them. But this other part of myself that's watching me doing it was going, was saying, oh my gosh, if they could know that you're on the ceiling at the moment, watching this, they'd most probably run for the hills. So I then thought, if I'm the Jill that's sitting at the table doing the contract, who's that? Yeah. Who is that? So that's and, when I realized and, and... I was more than what I was, than I thought I was. Okay, so when you were writing the contract, did you have any concept that there was another part of yourself watching? No, the part watching no. realized that that was the 3D body down there. Okay. So okay. although I was still running my human form, right. doing the job, okay, there was a greater part of myself that was aware of something much greater. Then after that, uh, it was snowing in the village. And so I was working in 2010. This is a fascinating story. This shows you how, how unbelievable life is. So, oh no, so let me give you another example before we get to that one. So the, um, I went to the supermarket, it was winter, it was cold, and there was a bit of snow outside. And I was with the teller and I'm busy paying him for my groceries. And the man behind me started talking to the teller and both of them were Australians. The man behind me said to me, I'm so sorry. That was so rude of me. You with the teller. And I was talking to him. I said to him, I don't own the teller. You're more than welcome to talk to the teller. And he said, oh, you're South African. Please tell me you don't live here. So I said, I do. He said, how do you deal with the cold? I said, icebreaker. And he said, what's that? And I said, are those your only groceries? He said, yes, we've got a timeshare here. So I'm just buying snacks and some tea and coffee and milk. So I said, well, if you like, if you're interested, I can take you over to the shop that does the icebreaker. He said, yes, we would love that. So it was him and his wife. And they sort of looked about in their 60s. And at that time, maybe I was in my late 40s. And he, um, he had a beanie on his head. He had a scarf on. He had a coat on. He had gloves on. He looked like the Michelin man. The cold was really affecting him. And we walked over to the shop and I said, this is Merino. It's very thin, but it's very, very warm. And you can throw it in the washing machine and the tumble dryer. And it won't shrink and you don't have to be so bulky. He said, love it. And he said, look, we don't know what it is about you, but there's something special. And we would so much like to take you for lunch tomorrow. Could we, could we meet you for lunch tomorrow? So I said, oh, that'll be wonderful. Let's do that. I immediately knew 
that this man needed information from spirit because that's not a normal encounter. So I went home and I said, Aurelius, what is, and I put his name, what does this man need to know at this time? And suddenly they started giving me a whole lot of medical information about macular degeneration. And then they started giving me information about the lungs. And when they've got something important to do, I have to type it in capital letters. So then that's important. And when they came to the lungs, they told me that pineapple, he needs to eat pineapple, that it's a natural cleanser for the lungs, fresh pineapple. They also said that he's got to have sunflower seeds. And then they said aspic, but I'm not to give him the properties of aspic because when he looks it up, he'll meet the next person that's going to help him on his journey. So I typed everything up for him and they were talking about free radicals and a whole lot of stuff that I knew nothing about. And I met him for lunch and I gently sort of felt safe enough to give it to him. And I gave it to him and he said, what's this? So I said, well, just read it. And he said, where did you get this information from? I said, from my head, you know, and I explained to him how it works, how I see things or hear things and just write. He said, do you know what I do? I said, no. He said, I'm a pharmacist. I thought, no, no. <laughs> and he said, why did you put macular degeneration in capitals? I said, because they told anything is important. He said, I'm being treated for that. He said, but something else you don't know. He said, I was a, I'm an ex-Vietnam vet and I was sprayed with Agent Orange and my lungs are very damaged and everything you gave me was for my lungs. He said, pineapple. He said, really, for the lungs? I said, I don't know. Why don't we look it up on the internet? So we both looked it up and we looked at each other. And we went, oh, wow. It said, scientific breakthrough. Scientists have just discovered that pineapple is a natural cleanser of the lungs. This is fascinating. Now, what I'm wondering is how do you go from what you're doing to your podcast with a couple of thousand uh, subscribers or viewers or both? Um, and how is this? And, and how are you using your skills with your podcast? How are you using your skills in your life? What, um, what do you do with them? Well, it's a story to get there, you see. Oh, okay. So, so when Glenda told me that when my boys finish school and mm -hmm. when I'm later on in life, I will be doing incredible work. And I said, what a, what a load of nonsense. I'm a housewife, right? Okay, right. And, and yet stuff happened. So right. after that, although in between that, lots of experiences, I then... Um, 
was at home in 2010, working from home, and I thought I felt like I needed a cup of tea, and I started walking to the kitchen. And as I walked to the kitchen, my mouth started drooping on one side. And I thought, am I having a stroke? And then the mouth opened, and I started speaking a most peculiar language. And I thought, what on earth is going on? Am I ready to be assigned? to a mental institution? Am I really now losing the plot? And with that, I walked over to our curtains, which were closed because of the cold, and I pulled them open and I changed to English. And it said, you have been chosen. You are a channel. Open up your heart and let the light in. It is time for the discourse to begin. And I didn't know what that was. And then I straight away went to my computer and I said, Aurelius, who was that speaking to me? He said, Dominus. I said, who's Dominus? He said, Lord Protector, Lord Galacta, Lord Almighty over us all. We also bow unto um, Dominus. He said, you have now earned the right to work with Dominus. And then he started telling me about frequency vibrations, about DNA, and how they changed my DNA structure. So I then thought, I know who I'm going to call. I'm going to call Glenda. She'll be able to tell me what happened. So I called her, but she put me on to Mary Fry, which was one of the first um, top clairvoyants in the whole of New Zealand who went on national radio. She said to me, Jill, it was the Space Brothers talking to you. I said, what a load of rubbish. I said, I didn't understand a word they said, so why would they? She says, because you're very black and white. And then she put me back to Glenda, and I said, Glenda, why did you do that? She said, because that happened to me this week too. I said, okay, thanks, goodbye. With that, my phone rang, and somebody wanted to look at a house. And I thought, oh, if you could see what's just happened, once again, you'd run for the hills. Instead, I got in my car, and on the way to the house, I said to the upstairs, if that really happened, make it happen again. And my mouth opened, and it happened again. And I parked the car, and I got out. I said, hi, guys, and I showed them the house. So two weeks, this is where it gets very interesting, real science fiction. Two weeks after this happened, I was outside a house that I'd sold two years prior, and I saw a car in the driveway. And these are the only people I hadn't managed to get a gift for because they'd moved away and different circumstances. So I knocked on the door. The guy answered, called his wife, and um, they said, they're friends of ours. We're renting their house to do some skiing come in. I said, no, all I want to do is go and buy a present for them. Can I come back and leave it on the bench top? She said, absolutely. So that's what I did. She then gave me her business card because she said she wanted to buy a house, um, a holiday house. On her card was a double tetrahedron with rainbow colors, which I know is the Merkabah now. I didn't know what it was then. And I said, what's this? She said, why, Jill, that's a double tetrahedron. Now, she knew nothing about me, nothing other than real estate agent. 
On the Monday, she phoned me. She said to me, I'd like to meet you at the cafe, say 12 o'clock. So I thought, well, obviously she's coming to talk about the house. And she said to me, are you hungry? I said, not particularly. She said, good, I've got a message for you. Follow me back to the house. I'm thinking, obviously, the message is to say thank you for the gift from her friends, right? She said, I need you to sit down on the chair for this. And she started doing this around me. And she started speaking the exact same language that I had spoken two weeks earlier. And she said to me, they are here. Do you understand? I said, yes, but I was looking around for candid camera, thinking this is, this is a trick, right? And then I felt a pyramid starting to form just below my belly button. But instead of it being up like this, it went down like that, pointing towards my feet like a funnel. And then her next question was, is the pyramid in place? I thought, what? I said, yes. She said, right, they're telling you, telling me to tell you, you need to ground yourself for this. So I said to Aurelius, Aurelius, I've heard the word ground. People use it. Because this is like 12 years ago, right? Said, um, if you want me to ground myself, you must ground me. So I was on the earth. I went through the earth, through the fire, and I was in the middle of the earth. So, okay, so th this was in your mind, like, yes. like you were visualizing? And, and yes, you I could see doing it. I was things. traveling. I yes. see, okay. So I got to the middle of the earth. Okay. And I could see the drop from like a huge inside cave, drip, drip. Trip. And then they said to me, water. And they said, that is the heartbeat of Gaia. And then they went, water, fire, earth, air. They said, you're grounded. So I said to her, okay, I'm grounded. So she said, okay. So she started going, and then she said to me, they've got a favor to ask you. So I said, yes, thinking, this is ridiculous. Why, why would these big beings need a favor from me? And she said, there's recently been an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, and it's destroying so much there. They want to use your vessel to clean it up, to come through you, through the pyramid, and out, and transmute the energy. So I didn't understand anything like that in those days. So I just thought it was ridiculous. And I said, yep, go for it, very facetiously. And then she was going, pew, pew, pew. and after it, she said, thank you very much. And then she said, wow, Jill, you were huge in Egypt. I see you as those one of those men with the arms out on those big thrones with the beard coming all the way down outside the temples. So I said, yes, I've got a very strong connection with Egypt. So then I said, oh, look at the time, I've got to go, and went back to work.
the following morning, as I walked in, the administrator behind the desk said to me, oh my gosh, Jill, did you see the breaking news on TV this morning? So I said, no, what? She said, do you know the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico? I said, yes. She said, well, scientists say most of it was cleaned up overnight. They think it must be some kind of organism. I said, what did you say? <laughs> How did you explain that, Robert? I have no explanation. Um, I've never heard anything quite like that before. It's my first time. So I'm certainly going to have to think about it. Um, then they gave me a vision. They said they okay. want six people on the stage. Three of them have to be scientific. Yes. Three, three must be spiritual. Okay. Yes. Have an audience in a big hall, yeah. auditorium. And anybody from the audience can ask any specialist on the stage any question. And soon they will be getting answers that are quite scientific from the spiritual people that the scientifics have only just discovered. And that'll make people starting to think. And they said they'll be holding a discourse, a conversation. And they wanted to be videoed and sold to television stations around the world. Right? And then they gave me one of the players that they wanted to be. And they said, Caroline Mace. And I said, she's not going to come. That would be like getting Oprah for tea. So they said they'll give me the words. So I sent an email to her manager. He said she's interested. She came straight back and she said she would be honored to be part of it. It would be a world first. Then I didn't do anything about it because I was still doing real estate and I wasn't doing the spiritual work that I was supposed to be doing until I went to see um, Wayne Dwyer, one of my clients said, I want you to come with me to see this man. He died the following weekend. Wow. While he was there, he said, um, you've all got goodie bags. Don't take notes. It's all videoed. Inside was a notebook and a pen, and I just started my automatic writing. First book, My Invisible Friend. Second book, Are You the Queen of Your Life or Are You Just a Princess? And... He said, all of you know there's something you should be doing with your lives. Are you doing it or are you just putting it in the back burner? Are you going to get to your deathbed and have remorse that you haven't lived your life? So I came home and I resigned. Hmm. I thought I can't pretend that these things are not happening to me anymore. I was so, I didn't want anybody to know all these things that were happening because I thought nobody will buy houses from me. They'll think I'm an absolute lunatic. And then I thought, who am I living for? For myself or for other people's approval? And how many other people like me are too scared to come out of the spiritual closet? Right? Time to come out of the closet. So, I, um, 
my sister then sent me an email from Africa and she said, this is a video of this lady. I don't know anything about her. I don't even know why it's on my computer. I don't even know how it got on my computer. She said, but for some weird reason, I felt compelled to send it to you. And it was a video of Alba Weinman. Okay. With an international hypnotherapist from America, from uh, Florida. Mm -hmm. And she sent it to me, I pressed play, and um, I thought I need to get her to New Zealand as a guest speaker. She is incredible, the work she's doing. And I so thought- what, what is the work you're doing? Okay, I, so this really... is when it comes, this okay. is when it comes. I know it's a long story, but this is how it evolved. So I watched the video and I thought she's got a website found her on a website, I saw the New Zealand and Australian flag. I thought that's weird. I thought she was American. She was coming to New Zealand and she was giving sessions. I didn't know her sessions sold out in seconds hmm. when she advertises them. You've got to join a newsletter. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. I looked for my credit card. I had a cup of tea. Which day am I going to do it? I got a session. I put my hand in the air as if I'd won the lotto, thinking this is weird. And I said to my guides, why am I like this? And they said, we used your sister as a catalyst. We want you to meet the American. You will be working with the American. Her work, like your work, is pure. And you will be, this is a new dance. You've done work in previous lives. So I went to see her and I just started channeling. I, I didn't get the past lives or anything like everybody else gets. I was just, mine said, um, uh, ambassador for the, well, ambassador from the Intergalactic Federation of Life, of Light. And it was session 166 on her website or on her YouTube thingy. And it told me who I am, what I am, what my connections are, and what the work that I'm going to be doing. And then I didn't really think much of it. That was 2017. Then I had the vision again to contact her. And she came to New Zealand. And But I said to her, they've given me a name called Antonio Sangio. He's got to come with you and he's got to teach me what you do, the hypnosis techniques that you use. And this is the work I have to do. She said, that's never going to happen. She said, he's just resigned as a computer engineer and he's teaching, but he has to have all these expenses met. So I said, and I'm thinking, well, every time my guide say something, it always happens, right? So I said, well, just invite him. I'll host you guys. You don't have to pay for anything. And um, I'll book in a hotel, a room, big teaching room, and we'll pencil it in. If he doesn't get enough people, that's okay. He got 49 from all over the world. It was the largest class he's had. Yes. When he left, he said to me, we're going to Peru in 2020. We'd like you to come with us. So 
I thought, oh, I haven't been to Peru. I don't know much anything about it. So I went to Peru. When I was in Peru, that's when I started channeling out loud. And spontaneously, I thought, what on earth is going on? And then it happened again in front of everybody. And I started giving everybody messages. And it was so loud and so strong that I lost my voice. Got back to New Zealand the day the borders shut for COVID. And then my father died in Africa. And we didn't have a very good relationship. He was a very, very uh, stern father, he used to beat me. And um, I didn't want to tell, I didn't tell anybody he died because I didn't want anybody to say sorry, because I didn't want to be a hypocrite and say, oh, oh, you know, thank you. So I just kept quiet. Three of the girls from Peru trip got hold of me on the same day. Have you had a reading with Tabash, Bless Tara, who was with us on the trip? So I thought, okay, you've got to listen to spirit. This is a message. So I said, hey, Blair, looks like I need a reading. The very first thing he said to me was, uh, uh, when my father died, I went to the lake and I said, dad, you weren't a great dad, but I wish you all the best. Um, I'm sure you can be a better dad on the other side. Now, the very first thing Blair said to me was, I've got your father with you. And he said, thank you for the talk at the lake. He appreciated it. The next thing he said to me was, James, Jesus's brother, is working on you and your physiology. And I've never been a Bible girl, so I don't know all those things and stories. And he said, in Peru, the reason that you were channeling like that is they were cleaning your pipes because of the work that you've got to do. Within two months after that, COVID lifted with, you know, the restrictions. And I went to the supermarket and Alba phoned me out of the blue and she said, can you talk? I said, I can't, I'm just getting groceries. I'll phone you in 10 minutes. On the way home, the vision started playing. The movie started playing and I phoned her and I said, <clears throat> I've just been shown, you're going to hypnotize me 12 times. They are going to give me all the questions that you need to ask me under hypnosis. And I will channel all the answers. They want the book. They want me to write a book. And it's going to be called The Discourse. And that's what happened. So since then, I'm an international hypnotherapist that's um, doing sessions for everybody all over the world on Zoom. My, I've had nearly half a million views now. It's just become incredible. So that's what's happened, Robert. So um, how did you learn to do hypnosis? I did the course with Antonio. Oh, Sanchez. I see. Oh, okay. So yeah. you have a podcast too. So I have, so what I do is I get channeled messages like the automatic writing. And then I read them or I discuss them or I, or I get a vision or I have a dream. What, what about the one that I was on, Dan? And then, so I've got a YouTube channel. Oh, okay. That's the difference. Okay. And then I've got all the interviews like yourself so, right. and all the oh, different okay. people. And then I've put on two hypnosis sessions. I did Michelle, Michelle Carpenter last week. 
Uh-huh. Right. Yep. And and hypnotized her and put her session on there. Right. <clears throat> so um yeah. That's and, and now we're going to Egypt. I'm going to be taking oh, a group to Egypt with Michelle. So how can people get in touch with you or find out your where your podcast is or where you're on YouTube? How can so, they do that? Oh, thank you, Robert. I've got a website, mm-hmm. which is dub, 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 and my name, jillcole.org.org. Okay. And on that, you've got the little icons for Instagram, right. YouTube, whatever. Okay. Or else they just do Jill Cole on YouTube, and I think I'm orange, like an orange circle with JC. But my son said he's going to change my website and make it more professional. All right. I don't know where the time went. It was absolutely fabulous. I'm going to have to listen and watch this. Um, You talked about things I have no idea uh, existed. So um, it's been a learning experience for me. And thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having a chat with me and even wanting me on your podcast. It's been a delight. Wow, what an amazing show. I've learned so much. Thank you, Jill Cole, coming all the way from New Zealand in the South Island, sharing your knowledge, your experience, um, your ideas and concepts, and your beautiful spirituality. Thank you so much. Well, that brings us pretty much to an end. And before I say goodbye, uh, I just have a couple of requests. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe to our channels. If you like, it gets us a little bit of attention. And if you make a comment, it gets us a bit more attention. And if you subscribe, and incidentally, subscriptions are complimentary. That means no charge. It'll give us a whole lot more energy and we'll get higher ratings, and then we're going to be around for a long time. This podcast, and hopefully I'm going to be around for a long time too. You know, if you're looking uh, for me uh, personally, you can find me on um, my, my website. If you're looking for me personally, you can find me on my website, www.robertlindsaymilne.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and um, TikTok. That brings us to the end of another fabulous show. Once again, thanks a lot, Jill, for coming on and sharing your knowledge. And before I say goodbye, please remember these things. Do good, stay safe, and above all, just be kind. Good night, everybody.